Can we bow our heads and pray together? Almighty God, Zechariah rejoices there that you fulfill your promises, and we look to you to fulfill your promises again to us today, to inhabit your word, and to send us from here, having met the living God. Amen. Do please sit. Today is a day about goals. Not the 11 goals scored yesterday by our Holy Trinity youth teams, but about goals. That is the original word for this odd phrase, kinsman redeemer. Would you please turn to the book of Ruth in your church Bibles? It's uh, on page, well, we started on page 268. Uh, And I'm actually going to um, read, begin by reading a little, because we stopped at verse 11, and uh, we actually need just to get to the end of that chapter. So I'm just going to read from verse 12. Although it's true that I am near of kin, this is Boaz speaking, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her, and then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. (laughs) Da-da-da. The danger of this story is that we see it as beautiful. It is beautiful, of course, but it's a great deal more than that. It's a great deal more than the gorgeous Ruth winning the heart of Boaz. It's not at all the way they would have seen it in the days when it was written. This is a story about money, about survival, not just about romance. It's much closer to the world of what kind of um, social security benefits are we going to have for the next five years than it is uh, to some romantic novel. God has never stopped showing his kindness. And the whole of the story of Ruth is an illustration of kindness. And we can begin with Boaz. The Lord blesses Boaz because of his kindness to Naomi and Ruth. Chapter 2 and verse 20. Uh, Ruth has come back from the fields uh, where... Uh, Boaz has uh, said to his helpers, to his workers, don't just make her glean, which was an activity that you were only allowed to do at the very edges of the field. Actually, no, let her take stuff from the very center of the field from where the sheaves are. Actually, you know, leave stuff out for her to find because she's absolutely on the margins, this girl. She was a foreigner, uh, and uh, a foreigner who was as poor as she was 
would probably, in that kind of tight village society, have been assumed to be no better than she ought to be. So, but Boaz is not concerned with, with that. He actually wants to encourage her, and he insists that his workers leave stuff for her and allow her into the center of the field. And Naomi, in response to all of this, verse 20, says, The Lord bless him, he's not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Well, I'm going to introduce you to two Hebrew words today. One is hesed, and it is the word kindness. If you're familiar with older versions of the Bible, you may be familiar with the term loving kindness. That's how it's translated into English. It's a kindness that is a faithfulness to God's promises. It's, It's a binding together kind of kindness. He has showed kindness. He's gone beyond what he, he, he should have, he needed to do, but he's been kind. He's, he's kept faith with who he should be. Boaz has gone beyond the letter of the law. The letter of the law said, you must let the alien do the edges of the, of the territory. But if he's, as I said, he's let her into the, the heart of things, into the very center of the field, and, and insisted that they leave bits and pieces for her to pick up. And then uh, Naomi goes on, he's shown his kindness to the living and the dead. And this is where we need to get to the other Hebrew word, which is the goel. Can we have the PowerPoint, please? Thank you. This is an imaginary Hebrew family. So up at the top, you've got oh, uh, Abigail. Thank you, Steve. Um, yeah. You've got Abigail married to Eliphaz. Eliphaz, uh, 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 they have two children. But in the Hebrew uh, way of, uh, of uh, looking at the descent, it's the, the man that matters, so I've put the tree descending from him. Uh, and they have two boys, Jonathan and Reuben. Jonathan marries Miriam. Shortly after marrying Miriam, however, there's a disaster. Jonathan dies. Well, what's Miriam going to do? Uh, Miriam is now the widow of Jonathan. How is she going to be supported? They haven't got any children. Well, lots of cultures in those days would send the woman back to her own family, which is why the arrow is there. But the Hebrew culture didn't send her back to her own family because, of course, they'd actually paid Miriam's family quite a lot of money to have Miriam. Miriam was a capital asset. This is Hebrew culture, all right? A long time ago. Okay, so so what were they going to do? They had two problems. The obvious one is the problem of Miriam. What are they going to do about Miriam? The less obvious problem is what are they going to do about Jonathan's land? Because Jonathan, assuming Eliphaz had died, would have half of Eliphaz's land. Well, Jonathan had a parcel of land, half of it, what are they going to do about it? Well, the danger would be that someone would come along and buy it. And that would mean it would leave the family. Our sense of family values is pitiful compared to the importance of family in the life of these kind of people. It was an absolute rule that you never let money leave the family. The back of um, the school fields where I went to school, 
there was a, a, a country estate, and it was owned by a relatively well-off uh, guy called the Duke of Westminster. <laughs> um, the Duke of Westminster is one of the richest guys in the world because his family has adopted the principle of never, ever selling land. They've sold lots of other things, but they've never, ever sold land. So they own a good bit of Scotland and a few bits of prime real estate in Hawaii, and they are as rich as they are because they have never, ever let land leave the family. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Kents here because they're, they're kind of estate, estate planning legal eyes are lighting up thinking, oh yes, that's a really good idea. Right. <laughs> anyway, th it's a very Hebrew idea. You never let land go. Because, of course, the whole promise of God to his people was about the land. The land is the means of production. The land is actually how you keep anything of value. So how are they going to keep the land in the family? So they ha have a, a way of doing it. Reuben marries Miriam. Uh, that solves the problem of keeping the capital asset called Miriam in the family. But <coughs> doesn't solve the other problem, so they have an approach to that as well. Reuben and Miriam have children, or a child at least, for the purposes of this exercise. We'll call him Kemuel. Now, the trick of this is that when Kemuel arrives as a son to Reuben and Miriam, Kemuel is accounted to be Jonathan's son. So the land that was Jonathan's now goes in succession to Kemuel. Now, there are a number of problems with this. One of them, of course, is that what if Reuben and Miriam go on to have other children? Well, all of them will be accounted as Jonathan's sons. But what if, for example, Reuben previously has married, oh, um, Sarah? Uh, if, uh, and Sarah has died. If Reuben and Sarah, prior to marrying, prior to Reuben's marrying Miriam, have had a child, then if Reuben marries Miriam and has a child, and the estate goes to Kemuel, then the previous child of Reuben and Miriam is going to have to give up some of their property. They're going to have to split it. So although it was an option and a kind of obli social obligation for Reuben to marry Miriam, it wasn't an absolutely binding necessity. Now, the word that they gave to Reuben in these circumstances was goel, meaning kinsman redeemer. He didn't get the land of Jonathan free. He had to pay the market value for it. So it was an obligation. You wouldn't do it unless it was an obligation. But so strong was this sense of we must keep the land in the family that there was a, an obligation that a kinsman redeemer should step in. And this is a simplified version. There could be lots of kinsman redeemer in succeeding orders of priority. There was an obligation to step in and redeem. Now, next week, we're going to be in chapter 4, where all the children are going to be with us, and we won't be able to explain all the legal things that go on. But in the story that we heard today, what Boaz is recognizing is that he is indeed a kinsman redeemer, but he's not where Reuben is. He's kind of further down the line. And there is someone who's going to be even closer. Next week, when you hear the story of chapter 4, 
we'll find out what happens to the guy who's even closer. Well, I'll give it away. In fact, he says, I don't want to redeem, because if I redeem, I'm going to put my own estate with my own children down here in peril. So if you want to redeem, you go ahead. That is the principle of the goel. The promises of God in here, in the land. So the land and the obligations and the heritage of land are absolutely sacred. Boaz, to come back to where we were, is blessed by God because of his kindness, because he takes her. He does not have to. He does not have to. It's, a, it's an obligation that someone should look after, uh, uh, Ruth. But Boaz does not have to be the one doing it. There is kindness in what he does. And that kindness, kindness is a kind of a small word for us. It's a kind of trivial. We speak about random acts of kindness. But that's not a trivial word for him because that kindness costs him all that it will take to buy the property that has been left blank. Elimelech's property. Naomi's dead husband's property. It costs him dear. Boaz is sacrificing a great deal for the prize of winning Ruth. He has to buy it. Remember, this is a financial story. It's not to the beautiful Ruth that Boaz addresses himself. Again and again, Boaz says, I care about you because you've been kind. So the Lord blesses Boaz because of his kindness. And then the Lord blesses Ruth because of her kindness to Boaz. Ruth had two other choices open to her. And we hear about them in today's story. Firstly, she could, as he puts it, have run after the younger men. She could have followed her heart. She didn't. She could also have followed her wallet because she could have run after the primary Goel, the person in the place of Reuben there. Actually, we can lose the PowerPoint now. Thanks, Thomas. But she runs after Boaz. Why? Well, because Naomi said to and because Boaz was kind to her. As she puts it, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. Now let's just um, be clear, there's a bit of this story that has a slightly, to our ears, a slightly nudge-nudge, wink-wink feel to it. There's that bit where you kind of, you can feel the narrator just standing back when Ruth says, spread the corner of your garment over me. And it's important to say that that's not at all what is implied. There's nothing improper happens at the threshing floor. Uh, and this, this is demonstrated. Let me just find... Uh, here we are. I am your servant Ruth, she said. This is verse three in ver sorry, chapter 3 and verse 9. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the cor corner of your garment over me since you are a goel. Now, there's no way she would have said, since you are a goel, if she meant anything improper. Spreading the corner of your garment or your whole garment over someone was a, uh, an, one of the ways, the symbolic ways, in which you incorporate someone into your family. And it was a well-known uh, phenomenon. So if he, she's got dressed up to the nines to send a signal. He's not expecting this, of course. He's not expecting that this is the kind of relationship 
that she's going to be looking for with him as husband and her as bride. But she's got dressed up to the nines as a signal, I am putting some bridal clothing on. I want you to understand that this is what I'm looking for. And it wasn't her place, of course, to go looking for a man. It was Naomi's job, and we find that at the beginning of chapter 3, to find the man for Ruth. So she says, I need to set about this. I am sending you. Now, of course, to our ears, it's a bit like kind of sending a parcel. Uh, it's, It's almost offensive to the way we do things, but it wasn't at all for them. Naomi says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to get you dressed up, and you're going to go. And and in your going, you're going to carry a message. It was wholly improper for Ruth to actually make a claim, will you be my hubby? It's not going to happen. On the contrary, what is going to happen is because of the signal of her clothing, Boaz understands the message from Naomi and says, okay, I'm a kinsman redeemer, because of your kindness, I like you, I'm going to spread the corner of my garment. Stay there till the morning. And it is there at his feet, according to verse 14, that she stays until the morning. Nothing improper is going on. The Lord does bless her in response uh, to uh, verse 10 of chapter 3. So Naomi has said the Lord bless him. Boaz is saying in verse 10, the Lord bless you, Ruth. And the way he blesses her is to graft her in to the people of Israel. God has promised certain ways of doing things, and he's being utterly faithful to that. But in the process, something quite new is being discovered, that foreigners, this is a Moabite, can be drawn into God's people. It's how the way the law of Israel was meant to work. But actually, this is very early, it didn't work out like that. The rest of the story is pretty much a disaster. And so the challenge facing God is how to achieve wonderful new things that break through the disaster while staying faithful to his promises. And that takes us on to that gospel reading. And Zechariah using words like long ago, our fathers, Abraham, holy covenant. The Lord blesses Boaz, the Lord blesses Ruth, and now the Lord blesses us. What Zechariah has to say is on the way to something radically new, the rising of the sun from on high, he says, with light in darkness. But it's utterly faithful to what God has promised. What Jesus does is to graft into the family those who might otherwise have been omitted. Steve and Rosemary and Peter, Richard and Naomi. God in Christ has spread his garment, the corner of his garment, over each one of us. Jesus goes beyond the law and pays a huge cost, sacrificing everything for the prize of winning us. That's his kindness. The bits of bread that we shall eat, the sip of wine that we shall take, it costs everything for him to spread that garment. We go into the world tomorrow because of our Goel, our kinsman redeemer. And we go into that world in order to show his chesed, his loving kindness. Not always with a view to an object. These people, after all, in the story, were just being randomly kind. They weren't saying, oh, do you know, I think that if I'm kind here, I think I can be one of the forefathers of Jesus. That's not what they were saying. 
They were just doing what came in front of them. We leave God to determine our outcomes. But this kind of kindness is to be our character. Not trivial. Maybe that word is too trivial, kindness, for what we mean. Certainly not here meaning only romantic. It's hard grafting. It's costly. It's demanding. But what God looks for fundamentally is kindness. Let's pray. Almighty God, you have in Christ shown us all kinds of kindness and at the utmost cost to yourself. May we rejoice to live in his kindness and show it to others in mercy and in all the work that we do, that kindness of this kind should be known in your world. Amen.